0: This is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos, and I'll be your guide behind the curtain, which takes us to the hallmark and specialty of our station.
1: Breaking news, we're following out of Vancouver. We begin with breaking news out of Burnaby. Breaking news near the base
0: of the Georgia Viaduct. We're known for finding out what's happening in the region and getting it on the air with lightning speed.
2: Good evening, breaking news tonight. A plane has crashed at the Boundary Bay airport.
0: Breaking news now. BC's finance minister has opened the books. But speed can't come at the expense of accuracy, and that's why it takes a concerted effort and a special dance between producers to learn about what's happening, verify it, communicate it to the team, and then present it on air. Good evening. We begin with breaking news and some serious allegations and charges involving a local police officer. And a child. Two of the people critical to that effort are Breaking News producer Carly Ushida Butrin and show producer Murray Castongay, key members on our Breaking News team. We begin with Breaking News out of Vancouver where a serious crash has forced police to shut down a road. I want to thank you both for finally joining me on BTS with CTV. This is a first time appearance for both of you. Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: So, Murray, let's start with you. Explain to people what a show producer does, because today you happen to be producing the 6 o'clock show, but you often do the 5 o'clock show as well. So just explain what it is that a TV news show producer does.
2: It's actually probably a lot more involved than most people um, think. Uh, Our job, I guess, is to produce or to present the, the news of the day, in the the best order. It's a little bit difficult at CTV because we have a five o'clock show and a six o'clock show. My job is basically to um, line up the show in the most effective, entertaining, and informative manner that I possibly can. Taking into consideration, again, what's going to appear later in the 6 o'clock show.
0: So, Murray, you're not just looking at show order, though. You're also determining what actually goes into the show and how long to spend on it, for example. Because a reporter could have something that they're really jazzed about, but either there's a lot of news happening or it's just not that interesting to other people. So you decide uh, what makes it into the show and how long it gets.
2: That's totally it. We'd have to decide exactly how much time do we give to any given story. And that can be a challenge, too, because like you say, some reporters definitely don't think that a minute and a half does justice to a story. And one of the big challenges at the five o'clock story of the show is that I only get sometimes 30 seconds to tell a captivating story. So that can be a real challenge just to get that down, to condense that and still give the story what it deserves.
0: Carly, you're a producer as well, but you're the breaking news producer. So you sit at the assignment desk and your job's
1: uh, completely different from Murray's. Yes, it's quite a bit different. As Les, our news director, likes to say, the assignment desk is like the pointy end of the news gathering. So oftentimes when we first find out about things, we're the filter that it goes through at the very beginning. So I sit at our assignment desk, which consists of our assignment editor, our associate assignment editor, our camera coordinator, and me. And the primary focus of my job uh, is to look for and confirm and produce breaking news. So for example, if we find out about something on Twitter, we get a tip on Facebook, we get a phone call into the newsroom, a reporter gets a tip. A lot of what I end up doing is making those calls to try to confirm what's true, what's accurate, and depending on the time of day, we'll end up working with a dedicated anchor in our five and six o'clock broadcast that's um, dedicated to doing breaking news hits in our show, whether that's one hit in our newscast telling us something important or whether it's a developing story that happens as we're on the air and we come back to that anchor throughout the newscast in order to talk about breaking news what's happening and in our noon show I also end up writing some of the breaking news hits we don't have an anchor at that time um, but I'll end up writing them finding visuals for it um, and chasing it as well So if
0: anyone were to visit Carly at work, you would see her. She's got about a million tabs open on her internet browser. She's got TweetDeck fired up with a whole bunch of uh, columns with stuff to follow. But you're also on the phone a lot. I mean, there's all this, uh, you know, modern technology for, you know, how to keep up with Vancouver Fire if they're tweeting out some information or whatever. But you spend a lot of time on the phone, too, trying to confirm with uh, sometimes media relations people. Other times, if it's a smaller community, for example, you may have to, sometimes you're calling the mayor or or something, if it's a small community, uh, just to get an eyewitness account of what's going on. So your job's actually, it's equal parts kind of technology and then human interaction to try to confirm when we do get a tip or or find out that something's going on to get that confirmation before we go to error. Absolutely. And
1: you always want to, especially if it's just a tip that we're getting from the public or uh, a tweet or something that's found on social media, you want to approach it with a fair degree of skepticism because you don't really know until we have eyes eyes of our own on the ground or we can see it from our helicopter from one of our own cameras or one of our own reporters or we've spoken to somebody who's a reliable account and then not just one person but multiple people in the area uh, to try to get a sense of what's actually going on Um, or we get official information from a reliable resource like the airport, um, TransLink, the RCMP, or the fire department. And even since I've been in journalism school, technology has changed so much. So for example, if we see a tweet from somebody in Surrey saying, there's a massive police presence outside of my house, um, officers with their guns drawn, and a dozen cop cars sitting outside. You know, We can go to Google Maps, we can put in, if they've given us the intersection in the tweet, we can put in that intersection on Google Maps, we can street view what that area looks like, and we can decide, well, there's this local business across the street and this one next door, we're just going to call and see what they can see and see if they can um, also verify what this person is tweeting about. And even, you know, a few years ago when I was in journalism school, that just wasn't even an option. You know, you'd probably be looking in the phone book calling a local McDonald's or something and then trying to get somebody in the area to confirm that information to you. So that has changed a lot and it makes things a lot easier. Um, But then on the flip side of that, because of things like technology and social media, the volume of information that we get can be a bit overwhelming sometimes.
0: And there's a lot of garbage too. There's a lot of people who, oh my god, there's so many cops here, but it's only three cop cars. It could be a domestic dispute, which is obviously devastating for a family, difficult for a family, but is it newsworthy? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily. So then Carly's confirmed this information uh, uh, hypothetically for an issue. Then she turns to Murray and says, I've got something going on. We've confirmed there's at least 20 uh, police cars. We have seen a video and images of guns drawn, then you have to decide how you handle it in the show.
2: Well, this just happened yesterday, actually. We got a tip from one of our uh, a freelancer out in the field trying to sell us video of, I think it was a car crashed into a pole in Surrey and it shut down power at one of the SkyTrain stations. And one of Carly's first questions, well, she comes to me and she tells me what's happened or what has apparently happened. And, and then we decide, well, is this newsworthy? trains are still running in both directions um, i think the escalators and elevators were out of order yeah. so we had to say oh it's kind of on, kind of borderline let's mm-hmm. just maybe wait this one out a bit because it was quarter after 4 at the time so we had that luxury yeah. and ultimately it didn't air but that's one of our things that we talk about daily is is this going to be breaking news or is this worthy of you know
1: and what's the wider impact right sure, yeah. If no one riding on that sky train is really going to notice a big difference other than you know they unfortunately might not be able to use the escalator or the elevator, but they're still able to get on the train, what is the wider impact? Does our viewer really care about it? Is it really newsworthy? Is it worth sharing um, to the public in our newscast?
0: But it could be worth a tweet. So, for example, if people are wondering, uh, maybe they have seen a bunch of hydro vehicles in the area or whatever, and they can start uh, searching that on Twitter, we can give them that information. But real estate in the show, in, term, in terms of time, is actually quite precious. Because how many minutes of news do you get in a 6 o'clock newscast, Murray, to, to cover all the news of the day, that uh, local, national, international, how many minutes do you get?
2: Oh, God, I haven't actually timed it out, but there isn't a lot, obviously. I mean, there's probably less than 40 minutes
0: after commercials and That's bumpers I mean, and headlines yeah, so and stuff, like The
2: yeah. first segment, we try to make it around, say, 10 or 11 minutes. The next segment, maybe half that. Uh, Ross has his uh, On Your Side segment, which is usually about three minutes. We've got maybe five for international news. And then, you know, after that, there's not a lot of time left. There's weather, of course, takes up about two minutes every day.
0: So it's quite precious then. And I know that there's always criticism. People say, well, why do you spend so much time on this and not enough time on that? But everybody's news taste is so different and what they consider important. And I hear from people all the time in the field, why do you spend so much time on shootings and the blood and guts? And then other people criticize us for, well, you don't spend enough time on hard news. And why do I need to hear more about politicians or good news stories? So it's really hard to find that balance. But it seems like every day that balance can also be a little bit different as well.
2: Well, I guess that's par- partially what's great about our jobs is because every day is different. Um, the news is different every day. We, we joke in news about having stories that are like um, broccoli, news broccoli. <laughs> uh,
0: I try so- to throw a little cheese sauce on the broccoli, <laughs> that's but that's right. it. <laughs>
2: that is just it, isn't it? Even if there is uh, broccoli in the news, we try and uh, spice it up or, like you say, add some cheese. Uh, but sometimes there's just some spectacular visuals Um, And sometimes it might not be the most newsworthy thing, but it looks freaking great on TV.
0: And it can be happening at the time. That's often uh, during the afternoon rush, we'll get a, a significant car crash. Carly, how many times have you scrambled Chopper 9 for a semi that's overturned on a off-ramp or whatever? And it may not be uh, the most serious or far-reaching thing, but it's happening at the time. Maybe somebody has a loved one commuting uh, and it's, you know, at the end of the day we're a visual medium, so it's something that we're
1: going to want to put on the air right away. Yeah, more times than I can count, I think, in the number of years I've been here. And Uh, There's obviously car accidents, which uh, we do cover a lot of. And then there's also something that can be even more lighthearted, something visual, like seeing whales from our helicopter. That's the best. Yeah. Chopper 9 over um, a pod of orcas and... It's visual. It's beautiful. I know that we can't turn away from it when we see it in the newsroom, and um, I think the people at home feel the same way, just the natural beauty of where we live. I mean, we wouldn't necessarily label that breaking news. I think we'd have a lot of egg on our face if we did, but um, it's something that... um, Murray can probably speak to this a little more, but... If it happens during our 5 and 6 o'clock newscast, we wouldn't put it on and have our breaking news center anchor it. But it's something that we would really make an effort to put into the show just because it's so beautiful. But also there are certain
0: things that I think it's... People will poo-poo traditional media like ours, but i got to say when a rescue is unfolding on the North Shore and we can see from Chopper 9 as the Talon helicopters are going to go support North Shore Rescue to try to pluck somebody off of a mountain, there's nothing quite like watching that unfolding on the local news, whether it's uh, being uh, reported from a a reporter in the aircraft itself or from the anchors or from the Breaking News Center to see that unfolding and you're watching it with thousands of people and waiting to see, oh, God, are they going to make it through the trees before nightfall and what's going to happen. There's just something really special about that that I don't think you can capture on social media because we are a visual uh, species and to to watch that unfolding and to have that common experience, I think is still
1: something really remarkable. Mm -hmm. I think so too. And it really showcases the work of the rescuers too. I mean... Volunteers who are dedicating so much of their time and physical labor to helping these people, um, and being able to showcase the hard work that they do in that kind of a platform—whether it's on the ground or from our helicopter—I, um, I, you know, I think that that's pretty special. And to be able to show that you know they are able to save people's lives using. The Talon helicopter uh, using the equipment that they have, whether that's just walking somebody out or long lining them out, it's pretty spectacular to be able to see that for yourself. And Murray, that's something that would be a lead
0: story if, if it's unfolding during the newscast. I, I mean, that's an easy decision to breaking news, uh, you know, lead a newscast with a, a, an issue like that.
2: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. That's that's totally something we would lead with. And I think one of the dangers is we we as journalists have to be to guard against becoming jaded um, uh, from things like this because it happens so frequently. Mm-hmm whether it's a, a lost or injured hiker or whether it's a SkyTrain disruption, mm-hmm. we still have to approach it as though this is, this, is ha- this is new, this is fresh, this matters to our viewers, and let's stay on top of it and follow it right through to its, um, to its, to its conclusion. Mm-hmm.
0: So Carly, you have some recent examples of breaking news where you had to kind of um, step up and and confirm your facts and and get a reporter rolling and all the rest of it. What's one of the ones that really sticks out in your mind recently?
1: Hmm. Well, recently I was thinking about um, a drowning that happened at Bunsen Lake earlier this month in August. Uh, You know, this one was a little bit different because fortunately the fire department that was the responding agency had tweeted about it. So we know that there a reliable source. We trust the information that they're going to give. This isn't just a random person on Twitter saying that there's been um, a drowning at Bunsen Lake. This is the fire department, the responding agency saying that this is what's going on. Um, And so we were able to, our helicopter was already up in the air for the newscast at that time. So we were able to communicate with uh, the camera person in the helicopter and say, The fire department has just tweeted this. Can you please head to Bunsen Lake ASAP? Uh, We want to see what's going on there. So we were able to dispatch the helicopter very quickly. um, And then once our helicopter was over it, we could see a number of emergency vehicles on the beach. Um, You know, unfortunately, we saw some pretty distraught looking people that were there as well. And um, Brianna Karsten Smith was our breaking news anchor that night. And so uh, once we had eyes on it for ourselves, we had some information from the fire department we were able to turn something around and get it on the air relatively quickly and um unfortunately the the person in that incident that they were looking for didn't survive and we were able to come back on at the end of the newscast and give that update to the viewers as well
2: yeah, that was just maybe a week or two ago. Yeah. And I remember you calling me or talking to me in the control room. I was producing the 6th that day, and it was, you told me the news right away. And I said, well, we need to get this on as soon as possible, that there's a, I think at the time, a potential drowning, reported, a reported I drowning. Said, yeah. So, yeah, so I, of course, we can't take a live shot from the chopper. Um, maybe sensitive, um, you know, sensitive video. So what we do is we turn that video around or we re-rack it or replay it back.
0: We um, edit it so that there, if there's any, um, if there's a body removal or potentially true, yeah. a, a child involved or something, yeah. for example, we've covered a sensitive video on previous podcasts, but you would, we'd never air, just like a tactical situation for, for sure. police, we're really yeah. cautious about that video.
2: Yeah. And, if,
1: and if we were to air it live, um, we always communicate with the camera person in the helicopter, so whether that's me telling the camera person we're going to take your shot live, or somebody in the control room saying, prepare them, We're going to take your shot live. One, so that they know um, I'm shooting f- live to air, so they're not going to be looking around for something. And to Murray's point, that they're going to be careful about airing anything that would be sensitive or graphic.
2: Yeah. And so that's part of the excitement of the live uh, newscast. But at the same time, it also screws up your entire show because you've got a plan going into the show. So then, of course, you have to um, adjust with the rest of the show and, and um, delete or float different stories. And of course, that gets you into you get into troubles that way because you've promoted some stuff. So I guess something that I worry as a producer is you promise some things and sometimes you're not exactly able to deliver some of the things you've promised because of breaking news. So I always wonder, do does the viewer um, get that sometimes? I guess that's a, an ongoing concern or a, or a regular concern.
0: And I think it depends on the issue. I'm I'm thinking to certain big newscasts where there was a lot of breaking news. Uh, The port fire is a big one. If people remember a couple of years ago, there was that uh, shipping container that was uh, caught on fire and was smoking ultimately for days. But I remember being the reporter on that newscast. And we were just, from the reporter's point of view, when there's breaking news, you got to be ready to go at 6 o'clock or as as quickly as possible when you get to the scene. And then we are in a situation like that where something's ongoing. We have to be what we call hot all the time, ready for as soon as I hear from Murray, okay, you're up in 90 seconds, or from Carly, I might hear, okay, Murray's going to take you after the break, you've got four minutes, and I have to figure out something fresh to say, Uh, but then it's also, you know, you want to say something interesting uh, to put on the air that's uh, as timely and as informative as possible, while also being time sensitive. Like, I now know exactly how long 30 seconds is (laughs) because of of doing this job, but then that can also make it hard for the producer on a show like The Portfire, like, my God, like, that, that, that would be an impossible it's a runaway train yeah, on a show yeah. like that.
2: I think all the rules are out the window in, in cases when it's live breaking news that affects thousands, if not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, all the the playbooks thrown out. Yeah.
1: One thing that I really want to underscore, and I know you guys feel the same way, is that whenever we put something on the air, we're careful. We are incredibly careful with what we put on the air, and... Um, We take steps to verify information before we put it on the air, and that's a lot of what happens in breaking news situations, and it has to happen very quickly, but uh, accuracy is so important. It's the most important thing that we strive for, and you you want to be fast and first, but it's more important to be right. And, you know, sometimes if we see something on the competition that we're chasing as well, but they happen to get it on the air first, if we happen to be live on the air, um, if we haven't confirmed those details that they're going with, that's okay, because I would rather know that we're right before we go to air with something.
0: And sometimes we aren't there. I'm just thinking of uh, incidents that unfold in the United States. So we have to attribute that to ABC News' reporting because we can't do our own journalism and something like that. But I have to say that locally, uh, you may see a reporter that, you know, why is she only talking about what she can see behind her? Well, sometimes we haven't had it confirmed by officials, but there's something clearly going on, so we call that a see and say. And sometimes Murray will say, "I, you know, there's no video cut for you. It's just going to be... You standing there just tell us give us a see and say and maybe step out of frame and let the cameraman uh, show us a little bit more but sometimes in an evolving situation
1: that has to be the first step if we're on the ground. To that point, Penny, I think that, you know, you, uh, Murray and Penny, both of you have done so much writing um, in your careers as well. And for me, working with breaking news, often if, you know, we we know that something significant has happened, we can see in the video that there are, um, there's a heavy police presence or um, there's, a yellow tarp on the ground in the middle of the road. We might not have heard confirmation from the coroner or from police that there's it's a, some sort of a fatal incident, but based on the information that we can see from our video, we know that whatever is happening is significant, and we can talk about what we can see in the video, like you were saying, Penny, and You can kind of explain that to the viewers in what you put on air. So you never want to make an assumption about something, but you're describing what you can see and that in itself can be very valuable to people. And that's part of the storytelling process as well. Well, and
0: having done this for long enough, particularly our, our camera operators, they're often on the scene first and they can say there's an advanced life support ambulance here. That's not a good sign because that's not a normal thing sure, to see yeah. at a scene or there's a supervisor for from X agency here. There are three coroner's vans when normally there would only be one if there was one victim. There are certain things, and we don't make assumptions to say there are three victims, but we will say there's more than one cor- or an abnormally large presence or something like that. We know from covering fires if the smoke is still black it's still burning they're not getting any water on it so there's certain things that we can uh that we know based on previous reporting but yeah we never want to make an assumption because uh usually that goes sideways pretty quickly exactly
2: i just want to say there are so many working parts there's so many you know smarts uh, organized, talented, funny, uh, great people that we work with, and it's just—it's just—it's it's, a—it's a—it's a challenge doing this. Like what Carly was saying earlier about being accurate, not necessarily always being first. Although we do pride ourselves in being first. We're
0: often first, right? We're right? First, right? First. Yes. Come on, come on. We're but
2: first. there's nothing—there's <laughs> nothing wrong with attention to detail, and I just think it's so—so so much work. We do such. I think our jobs are hard, I think we have hard jobs (laughs) Carly and I joke about having sweaty fingers around 5 and 10 after 5 or quarter after 6 or whatever when when we're really really busy Um, it's stressful but at the end of it all when we do it right and we do it right often it's really satisfying
0: well, it's often said TV news is the ultimate team sport. And I'm just, I love that we know that we can count on each other in this newsroom. Like, I know that if Carly gives me information, she has a double check to make sure that it's correct. And if I'm telling you, Murray, that just trust me on this, just take me in 30 seconds and I'll give you something good, that trust is there because we have worked so closely together. Mm-hmm. And that's a really great feeling in a, such a high stress <laughs> environment. It doesn't get much more high stress than this. Yeah, and it's a pleasure working with both of you. <laughs> and it's been a pleasure having you on the pod thank you so much Cheers. Thanks. I also want to thank Janine Avelino for her help with archival audio this week and thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast email me bts at ctv.ca and if you like what you heard please subscribe for more insights tidbits and the stories behind the stories I'm Penny Dafloss.